Hey, it's Beth here. Episode 252. Okay, I've been doing some soul searching. And I come down pretty hard on millennial women. uh, Daughter-in-laws of my friends. Things like that. And I recalled this story. I'm starting to sleep and have dreams again, which is good. But self-revealing you know, revealing, and that's not good. So I had this dream about when I was working at Neiman's and Jean Tierney, this amazing actress that actually even my mother liked, would come into the store. She was married. It was in Houston. It was Neiman Marcus. She was married to an oil man at the time. And she would come into the store and visit the men in the fur department, the woman's fur department, because they had really great whiskeys. And everybody loved her and nobody cared. And one day she was leaving and she kind of stumbled and a Ming vase, a priceless Ming vase, fell to the ground and got cracked. They put the Ming vase back up. Everything was over. But I just thought she was ridiculous. And I thought she was an old woman, just like people think about me. I never looked into her story. I never cared. I just thought it was kind of silly. And then I guess about two or three years ago, I saw Heaven Can Wait, this movie that she was in. She was amazing. She got an Oscar nomination. But I didn't even care. I didn't look into her story. I just thought, oh my God, that's Jean Tierney. And I thought of the story about that day, which we all decided to keep to ourselves, but it wasn't really anything. You know, we just, back in 50 years ago, you didn't say anything about anybody. And so just last night, I was thinking about her and I was thinking, who was she? And why did I, why did I not even care? And the truth is she was, she was from a very wealthy family and she went into show business and her name was actually Jean Tierney. Her father didn't want her to do it. She did it anyway. She was very successful. She married Ole Cassini before he was anybody, before Grace Kelly. And she supported him. He was a Russian immigrant. Um, well, he was born in France, but his parents were Russian. Came into America, had nothing, was nothing. She took him in. He, got a, he had a couple of jobs in Hollywood, but he was nowhere. Every single dime she made. He spent, and she was 20 when she married him, and he was like older than that. And her family disowned her, and they tried to get 25% of everything she made so that Oleg Kaczynski, Cassini wouldn't get it. Just a crazy, horrible story for her. But she kept working, and she kept working, and her movies got better and better, and she was, she was she was in Magambo. She had to she had to get out of the movie because she was working so hard to help her family. She did not have an easy time of it. 
And I thought her life was was so easy, but what broke her, oh my God, I found this out. You, you, you could look at her and see she was heartbroken, but you thought it was just drinking or whatever. But actually what happened was she and Ole Kaczynski, Cassini got married when she was like 20. She gets pregnant immediately and she's a little bit of a star and she's doing whatever Hollywood wants her to do. And she's visiting with people and getting to know them. And her daughter gets born and her daughter is very premature, mature, just three pounds. Back then they could, they could hardly keep these kids alive. She ha she's blind and has tremendous um, brain dysfunction. And Jean is devastated, absolutely devastated. And she goes around and she pulls herself together because she has to make money because Oleg isn't making anything. And she does a new movie and she does, um, you know, the ghost of Mrs. Muir. She does Laura, which is her big hit. Every single dime she needs, she either gives to her husband who's spending it quickly or to her daughter. And then she's at this tennis match and she's, you know, just a celebrity there. She's making some money on the side. And this woman comes up to her and she says, Oh my God, Jean, I'm so happy to meet you. I wanted to meet you so badly that two years ago when you were pregnant, I met you even though I had rubella and I was being told to quarantine. I couldn't do it because I loved you so much. She turned away and walked and she was never the same because she had gotten rubella and she thought she was very safe. And this was how she got it. And she talked to her doctor friend and he said, yeah, that's the exact timing of how it happened. So she didn't really recover from that. She and Ole got a divorce and then they got back together and they had another child. But she never really got over what happened to her first baby girl. And she spent the rest of her life in institutions, just horrible. So that's the person I was making fun of. That's, I never even thought about who she was or what could have happened. And someone told me at the store that she tried to commit suicide. She went back with her mother after years of being estranged for no good reason. She was 20. Oleg, you know, wanted to marry her. Her family divorces her completely. She's trying to reconcile with her mother and her mother's giving her all kinds of trouble. She's out on a ledge. She almost commits suicide. She, she goes into a facility to try to fix herself for her daughter that is well and for her daughter that's in the institution that she visits all the time. And she wrote, she wrote this book. It's actually a really good book. And she, she talks about how she was wrapped in a wet sheet in a small room and there was electric shock and she electroshock treatments. And that's what, that's what the whole thing was about. And she had no idea the 
ramifications, which are you lose all of your memory. And she did. And she tried to escape. And she got very far. And they caught her and they brought her back. She was barefooted. She was running through the woods because she wanted to keep her memories of her baby and her life. And she thought, the book is called Self-Portrait. It's really, really sad. And then after that, she was rescued by the man who actually didn't like her drinking very much. And I thought he wasn't a, I thought he was a horrible guy, the oil man in Houston that she was married to. And she would have to come to the store to try to get a drink, kind of like, you know, women drinking perfume to get alcohol. And I thought he was an awful guy. And actually, he'd been married to Hedy Lamar before this. And he wasn't an awful guy. He was a good guy. And he was trying to help her. I had this 20-year-old life story for her and her husband in my head that was completely false and completely unfair. And I think that's how young people are. I think they just go to the story they want the story to be. And they stay there in their comfort zone, owning this completely paint-by-number situation. And actually, this guy, she wanted to live a normal life. And he helped her get a job as a sales girl. I was a sales girl. She loved being a sales girl in a little shop. He practically made the shop up for her, just so she could have a little dignity and a little something she could still do. Some reporter came in, busted the whole thing wide open, and she couldn't have her little shop anymore. But this oil man that I thought was bad was actually a good guy. So the moral to this story is, I'm gonna have compassion for young people. They, their brains are electrified to just come up with a simple solution. They're impulsive. They want a simple solution that's funny or irreverent or disrespectful that makes them feel good about themselves. And I was so mad at young people for doing this to all my friends and everybody I know. And then I realized, oh my God, I did it myself. So this is just kind of life's journey and they can't do better than they can do. They're not 70 years old. They haven't lived. They don't know. They can't appreciate all the hard work you're doing. They can't understand what it means to you when you say, I hope you're happy. They have no idea and they never will. So it's just a, a little bit of humble pie for me. Thank you, Jean Tierney. Your life story was amazing and your heartache was unthinkable. And I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have felt the way I did. I shouldn't have thought the way I did. I didn't even look into it. I didn't even care enough to try and understand you or hear your story until just now. I mean, in my mind, for all these years, for 50 years, this is what I've thought about her. I never even delved into it. I was so comfortable with my little, you know, paint by numbers pictorial of her. And I just am going to be much more compassionate with young people much more forgiving and they will know when they get older, when they grow up, 
when they're in their late 60s, when they grow up, they'll know. But I'm not going to be so judgmental. That's what I learned from my story. I couldn't have done better. I did the best I could when I was young, and it was horrible. So, not going to expect the moon from these people. It's not possible. They don't get it, and they won't until they're in their mid-60s and we are long gone. And that's just the way the world works. So, thank you, Jean Tierney. And if you want to see three great movies, she was terrifying in heaven, that movie. She was gorgeous in Laura. And the ghost of Mr. Mr. Mrs. Mira is just so romantic. But she was up for an Oscar for the Heaven movie. And, oh my God, she was absolutely beyond belief. It was the, it was the best performance I've ever seen. And it was terrifying. She plays this psychotic, gorgeous woman. And everybody falls for it. And you're a woman and you're sort of, you sort of stop falling for it, but you're still looking at her and she's absolutely gorgeous. It is the most frightening, frightening girl movie you will ever, ever, ever see. So leave it to heaven. Don't miss it. Check it out. So she was everything. And then her daughter, you know, lived, I mean, the money was there. Oh, Howard Hughes gave her all the money for her daughter for the rest of her life. They never had an affair. They became very good friends. So she didn't have to worry about that. But it broke her. And oh my God, I understand that. So why I had to come this rush to judgment that she was just an alcoholic or whatever. And she really wasn't even. She Quit. She started smoking so her voice would go down. She had an overbite that she wouldn't let them fix. She had a little backbone. But I just, I just created this one-dimensional character. And, and here she is, just this rich, amazing, heartbroken woman. So, wow. Give your daughters, give your nieces, give everybody under 45 a break. They can't do better than they're doing. It's, it's just, it's just something that takes time. So, wow. Oh my God. I can't believe I did that and I did it. And I can't believe it took me 50 years to think about it. That's how crazy we are or I am. So not gonna, I feel a little bit more sane because I'm, I'm reaching into my, the dark recesses of my ugly closet and putting some light on things that I need to look at. I need to look at myself. I need to look at what's wrong with me and what what was, what was what is impossible to fix when you're younger and just have a little bit of compassion for young people. So that's my thing. And I'll be back. And it's a little, I know Jean Tierney, but believe me, it's it's huge to me. I am, I am not going to expect what I can do now from people in their 30s and 40s. I couldn't do it back then. And I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be cruel. So that's my thing. And I will be back. Stay sane.